Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Welcome to our third show. Things are going well for the podcast, and the 2018 driving season is underway. This weekend kicks off the first festival with Spring Fest. Our interview today is with Rob Widener. Rob is the 2017 Audubon Country Club GT2 champion and members committee chairperson. Rob has been a member for over 10 years and we visit in the clubhouse on a near perfect April afternoon. This episode, we also launch a new segment called In the Driver's Seat, where we break down a driving event, how to get involved, and the equipment you need. And we try to do our best to answer all possible questions. In today's In the Driver's Seat segment, it's all about the chase race. Mike Ritter, track operations manager and race director, gives us all the information we need to get in the driver's seat for the first chase race of 2018. And once again, Kyle Nato will be with us at the end of the podcast to give us an update on the schedule for Springfest. And now, here's Rob Widener on the Audubon Country Club podcast. Hey, I'm Rob Widener. Rob Widener. Correct. Everyone says Widener, so... Widener. It, yeah, it's Widener. The Dutch pronunciation is Widener. So Widener. It's got two A's at the end. That's crazy. That makes it Dutch. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, Rob, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. We're sitting here in the uh, backside of the uh, clubhouse. And as our first member, I'm excited to get to know you. You're very involved in the club here. So it's good I, stuff. I want to hear. I want to hear all about it. Tell, so where do, where did you grow up? I grew up in Frankfurt, so South Suburbs. So been in South Suburbs uh, almost all my life. And you're still around that area? I'm still. Yeah, I'm in New Lenox. So yeah, not too far. I lived in the city for a while, and then when I got married, moved back out to the suburbs. So it's great. So yeah, I'm not that far from the track, which is nice. And uh, tell me about growing up. And it was a good place to grow up. It was a wonderful place to grow up. Uh, it's not as congested and crazy as it is now, but back then it was uh, was pretty low key, and we were like right on the border of like as far as you would go. Like my my grandparents lived in the city, and they like when they would come for like Christmas, it was like they drove to Egypt. It was so far away, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were just a couple minutes from farms and stuff. It's uh, it was pretty pretty not built up like it is now. It's crazy. And your were your parents from around there? My folks uh, lived in the city, so they're from uh, Greenwood. So this was like uncharted territory coming out to Frankfurt, you know, <laughs> forty years ago. And brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have, uh, I have a younger brother, he's four years younger. Uh, he's in Missouri. He's married, got a couple kids, and uh, he comes out the track when he can in the summer. So, I was racing. Does he do racing stuff? He doesn't you? do racing, but um, he's a big racing fan. We were big uh, Indy 500 fans, so uh, my folks took us to the time trials every year and had a big cooler and could sit and watch all the cars. So, uh, so he's big. He's still a car fan. It's just he doesn't drive. Yeah, I loved it as a young kid. I grew up in Bloomington, Illinois, still right around there. But I love going to the time trials every year. Did you guys make it to any of the races? I mean, back. I've been to the race, um, but when I was older, but as a kid, we just did... Uh, yeah, because it was tough to get. I mean, I'm guessing we're about the same age. I mean, it was... It wasn't easy parking, no, uh, lodging. It, you like, couldn't get all. tickets at all. It's just, it was crazy. So this was something, you know, folks could do on a budget and we could get in. And so, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. So how did you get involved in in racing or... I cars, was, cars, we a big car yeah, guy. Yeah, I was a big car guy as a kid. Uh, I started in drag racing, so I drag raced uh, 15 years just uh, for fun. And what then, kind of cars were you drag racing? Yeah, I was a Mustang, Mustang guy. So, the like train, a street? Do you take your street I, car It was there? a street car that went, uh, that put slicks on at the track and run it that way. Where did you uh, do that? At, here at 66. 41, a little Union Grove, uh, Byron. So I've been to a few tracks. Oh, I, did, I didn't even realize there was that many places to. Yeah. They still, so, that many places still do drag All those places are still open today. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and I've actually driven most of those tracks um, in my car with my hands. So uh, I've been to all of them again. Oh, how cool. So, <laughs> so was that your first, what, what was your first car? Uh, 
For drag racing? No, just first car. Oh, my first car was a 84 Ford Tempo. 84 Ford Tempo. Five speed. <laughs> and uh, I can still remember my dad taking me out. Bye, Colleen. Bye, Colleen. Showing me, uh, or trying to teach me how to drive stick. And uh, after about the sixth time of killing it, I think my dad was ready to get out from a sore neck. But <laughs> it was the right car to learn on. It was a four-cylinder. You know, it's. Uh, I think everyone should learn how to drive stick. And yeah, that was my first car. It's crazy. Wow. And so when did you get the Mustang? How old were you? Mustang you got- um, wasn't until I was later. Um, I was 25 for my first Mustang. And um, I've had quite a few. And uh, yeah, always like Mustangs. Do you have a Mustang now? I do. I have a 04 Cobra with a oh. big Whipple. As I have not seen that. I know you have a few cars. Yeah, I do I, have a few I cars. I have not seen that. That car I stole drag race. I've run the no way. King of the Streets in it. Um, it's called Cots. <laughs> and then uh, I had a maroon twin turbo Cobra that we had a driver for that won Cots in 2010. And so what is Cots? It's called King of the Streets. And it's, uh, it's blown up over the years, but it's basically... Uh, taking the street racing off the street and bringing it to a track. And uh, it was for $10,000 cash. And you won that? Yeah, we won that. And so, what year was that? Was it? That was in 2010. <laughs> it's crazy. So I've kind of got away from drag racing and, and migrated to road racing. So tell me about your involvement in the in the club. When did you first hear about it? Yeah, I did track days here. So that's... Um, Who did you do track days with? Uh, I, a couple. MVP, uh, LAPS. And uh, Chin. Chin was my first exposure to any of any road racing. And and what what is Chin? Do you remember what Chin stands? Uh it's yeah, it's Chin is um actually Dr. Chin. He was a anesthesiologist in Florida that bought a sports car and didn't know how to drive it and went around, couldn't find anyone. So he rented a track and got some instructors and a company was formed and he goes around from different tracks now. I don't I think they do like 20 different tracks in the U.S. now. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah, know Yeah, it's great. And, then and, what, what, and that was my first. And what car was that? Was that, that was in my 911. So a friend of mine had a spot on the trailer going to Florida and said, hey, you should come down and do this chin event for two days. And I'm like, I've never been on a road course. <laughs> and so I, I get down to Florida and there was 36 instructors and no one would get in the car with me. They called it the trifecta of death. I'm driving a high horsepower 911. I'd never been on a road course before, and I'm driving with my hands. So one brave soul, Chris Weaver, thank you, Chris, from Fort Lauderdale, got in the car, and it was a little bumpy start in the beginning, but over the two days, I, I really improved. And when I got done, he's like, you need to stick with this. You've, you really – he just couldn't believe how far I'd come in just two days. So – it was uh and your step back so your dynamo that that's the one you have now the, the yeah turbo. the blue one yeah so stage beautiful. two brown bocker so beautiful. it's really fast love it and okay so you mentioned driving with your hands the reader or listeners not readers listeners but you are in a wheelchair i'm a c6 c7 quadriplegic which um i have my hands obviously but where my injury is i'm technically a quad so i'm very fortunate mm-hmm. to have use of my hands my fingers and my triceps. So I shouldn't have my triceps or my hands. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every every trauma injury to your spine is different. So you could be hurt in the same place as someone, but you get a little bit more or a little less. So I'm very fortunate. And so what, what year did that, did that happen? I was hurt in 05. In 05. So you were, you were drag racing so that was right in the middle of the drag racing yeah drag racing um and when i i couldn't drive it, therapy took two years of therapy so it was a long like what you see now is it was a really long road to even my the way i speak and pronunciate because i don't really have any any core i have no muscles to help me talk i've learned to uh adapt not having enough abs to help me breathe and so I, I drag raced, and then there was no driving for two years, and then the first thing I did was get back in a car and drag race, which going straight was seemed pretty easy. <laughs> and uh, was, so when you uh, learned to drive, I mean, it was basic. Was it learning to drive again? Yeah, well, I had to learn with my hands. So there's uh, there's a company that you can hire to help you get your state license, and I it was a two day class. I got 
I got behind the wheel. We drove for an hour. He had me back down my driveway and said, you got it. So <laughs> driving with my hands actually came very natural. I don't know how else to say it. It was, you know, you, you have to. You have to think with your hands. You can't, you know, I, I've never found myself trying to break with my foot. Like, it, it came it came pretty easy. And there's, um, like, portable systems you can put in a car? Yeah, is that, there's is... portables. I, all my cars are stick shifts except my wife's. So, I, her car was uh, batter up. Uh, so, I had a hand control system put on that car. And uh, it's push to break and push down to go. And that's that's how I learned. And that was how most of my cars are now. But you can still drive stick shift. No, well, no. they make car, they make systems that could, but I, I, I can't because there's three options, right. three things That's you right. have to do, and yeah. you only got two hands. So yeah, I haven't driven a stick in a long time. Okay, okay, all right. And uh, so after when you were growing up, what were you doing for uh, for your job, or what? what I worked in manufacturing, so I'm third generation at Chicago Assembly. And my grandfather worked there in 27 when the plant opened, and my dad worked there. In 20, 1927. Yeah, my grandpa worked there. Um, it's crazy. So I medically retired from there. And then I was fortunate enough to invest in some restaurants that were successful, and the rest is history. Oh. So. And so tell us, where should we be eating? You should be eating <laughs> at uh, Southern Cut Barbecue in, uh, in Chicago. And. Um, yeah, so Dave and Maddie, uh, they're the principal owners, and it's good stuff. All right. I will put that on my list because yeah. I love to eat. I love to eat. So um, so now you're, you, you go down to Florida, you're driving down there, and you just fall in love with it? Is it? You know, it was a, it was a progression of, of things. So I drove that car as is, and then I changed the seat. I put a, like a bucket seat in there out of an RS. A GT3 RS, and then I put, I put racing seat belts, and then I put a half cage in it, and then my wife's like, "Listen, that car's not safe. You're going way too fast for the safety." So then we built a Corvette with a cage and a seat. I drove that car for two years, and, and I so kinda, where are you driving that car? You're, you're coming up just, here, yeah, just I, up here, just for the, tr- the track days. Yeah, I'd become a member at that point. Okay. I looked at, okay, I'm spending X amount for doing all these track days. I could just join for roughly what I, and. And so that was about 90, is that about 2007? Uh, I think, uh, 09 we joined. Right. And, because when I would do a track day, you sign up online, and then when that day comes, I'd have to be perfect. I'd have to feel good. And there's some days in the chair, I just, I don't have it. So becoming a member i could just show up on a tuesday if i felt good like i could pick what day i wanted to come and drive and that made more sense and uh it let me practice at my on my schedule which is huge and um so when's the first time you heard about the autobahn did you always really know it was here or a lot of no. people don't seem to know that yeah, it's even here. they know the nascar track but they but don't absolutely. know this yeah. is here yeah um, i some of my friends had been here before, so I had heard, I knew where it was. I just didn't think at that point that I could do road racing in the beginning because mm-hmm. I'm paralyzed from the chest down, so I don't have any core. And the way those cars break and turn, I, I just didn't think I could, I couldn't dream this big where I'm at now. It's, <laughs> it took a while to get to where I'm at. And so you join and What's the first, so when you did join here, what's the first thing that you got? Instruction? Or we did, did the Corvette at the time? Or I had the Corvette, yeah, so. absolutely. Instruction is the key. Before, when I just did track days, I would always have an instructor with me and mm-hmm. helping me get over the hump. And then once I joined, then uh, Tom has ridden with me, but Kester seemed to be the guy that rode with me the most and uh, been working with Tony ever since, so... Tony Kester, one of yeah, the instructors here. Yeah, yeah, Tony is, you know, he, I mean, there's a lot of instructors and people that have helped me, but, like, Kester helped me get over the hump to really be competitive. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, so that's, um, so I'm trying to, you know, refresh the tri- timeline. So that's 09, 010, so you got the Corvette, and then? I, I kind of went the distance with the Corvette. It made a lot of horsepower and it was fairly heavy. 
So it was in a higher class. What year? What year? Of course. It was a 2010. Oh, okay. And the way I was driving that car was similar to how I drove all my street cars. My left hand does the braking gas. My right hand does the steering. So you have to like slip steer. So as you turn, you let go of the wheel and re-grip. It's fairly complicated to go fast in that car. And then, then I looked around. And were you racing? So I raced that car. So you raced. You joined. The, so you got your license. I got my license, and I was in the back of the pack every time. So, uh, you know, I never, I never had a prayer back there. So I said, you know what? We got to build a race car. This was a street car that we made into a race car. Uh, so then I shopped around, and then I found George, who was here at the track. And, uh, George from uh, Eurosport. Yeah, Eurosport changed the game because they had a car that was halfway built, and I came in, and you know, it's 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 a car that really fit me well. It's fairly easy to drive, and that's your current. The current car I have now, yeah, this which is, my, is a. It's an '09 Cayman S. It's essentially a Cayman Cup car, so it's all the parts off a Cup car. So and I, just to explain, Eurosport, there uh, there's several garages here if you heard the podcast the last podcast uh we talked with one of the garage owners from team stradali so eurosport is one of the other of the four yeah. race shops on, yeah there's on the- stradali and fall line and you know george predominantly works on porsches so it was you know he's he's the guy and so they had the car they had the car you, you went there and you liked it and i said hey let's uh let's finish this thing so we we built it out and I had the old controls on that car, so I brake and gas on the left and steer with my right hand, and that transmission allowed me not to have to worry about shifting, so that made it a little bit easier. Then uh, PDK transmission. It now. had the PDK. And your 911, the, the 97. 97's a 5-speed. That's a Tiptronic. Tiptronic, okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so 98 or 98 or 99, I think they switched even to 9 7s right? 09, I think. With, um, with the PDK. PDK yeah. yeah, the PDKs yeah. changed the game for me. Because it will, it's very intuitive. It knows when to downshift. It knows when to upshift. And I only have two hands. So that third thing of shifting can be eliminated. That's really what made the Porsche uh, the right choice for me. And this is about 2012? Correct. 2012-ish. Okay. And uh, then a friend of mine sent me an article from a guy who was racing with his hands. And it was a, it was a ring. On the steering wheel. So I did a little more research and uh, Guido Simplex out of Beverly Hills, they make a system that's a push to go. It's with a the donut on the yeah. inside so, of the steering wheel. Yes. And it's got little, little little bars. And when you push it in, it pushes the gas pedal. And then, and if you just drive it normal with the gas pedal, it doesn't move the ring. So a regular person can drive so it. So this is a mechanical linkage. It's mechanical. We went that route. I always done mechanical because I didn't want an electric failure on track. Makes sense. You know, the mechanical, it's a bar that pushes a bar and you can't go wrong, you know. There's heat won't affect it. Vibration, you know, it's, it's always going to be able to push. So, but the biggest change going to that system was the brake is on the right-hand side. All my cars, have, the bar has been on the left, so it was a little bit of learning curve to adapt with the brake on the right. I'm right-handed, so I can put a lot of brake pressure. Yes, you can. On, I've, uh, rode, I've ridden with you. Yes, I you can. can. Uh, <laughs> you know, on data, I can brake other people that have Caymans. I can brake as late and as hard as them with this new system. So it really... If anything made me as competitive as I could be, it's this system. It's crazy. So let's talk about racing. So let's cover um, in the Corvette. So there's five classes of racing, was, GT racing was, here at the Autobahn. Correct. One, two, three, four, five, which is backwards than backwards normal. Backwards than right. normal, right. So GT1 is would be like a, a Miata, a Miata or, 944 yeah. type car. Mm-hmm. So that'd be GT1, and the GT5 cars are Cup cars. All Cup cars are GT5. Uh, could be a Ferrari Challenge car. It's something high horsepower and low weight is the top guys. And there's five different groups. The Corvette was in four, believe it or not, because it made so much power. Wow. And and this is all based on it's power to weight. Power yeah, to weight. it was even then. Um, it was power to weight. I think they've really have come a long way with like how to class a car now. They've they got a pretty good system and I think it makes it pretty fair. 
uh, you know, horsepower is not the key in road racing. You know, that, that car was heavy and it's, uh, I just was, I went as far as I was going to go in that car with one hand. So now 2012, 13 season, probably you're in the, in the Cayman. Cayman is still in the back of the pack. I'm still learning the craft of being around other cars, uh, learning the art of passing, setting somebody up. Uh, you know, it was it, when I first got it and I did some laps in it and I looked at the lap time, I'm like, Ooh, I spent all this money and I didn't get any faster, but it's, it's funny because it's not the car. It was, it's me. I mean, I knocked almost 10 seconds off from where I started to where I'm at now. It's, it's, it's hard to believe. Wow. So this year, this was a great, this the last year should be seven. So the 2017 season. 17 was, uh, was great. Uh, tw- uh, GT2, GT4, GT2. GT2. GT2 champion. I'm your GT2 defending champion. That's yes. Crazy. Very. So, and you explained to me that you win one and they put some weight in your car. You get 50 pounds of win. And then it doesn't come off unless you, I think, come in fourth place and you can take 25 pounds off. So how many wins? I had two wins last year. So you had 100 extra pounds Yeah, that you're dragging around. And is that 100 extra far in tune with your car for more than I would ever be probably? But is it, can you tell? Huge. Is it? Wow. It's, um, well, I had a bunch of seconds, so you get weight added. So I capped out at 150. Oh, even seconds get weight. Yeah, second, first, second, and third get weight. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe third you don't add, but second for sure. So I was capped at 150, and 150 pounds is, it's, we joke about, if Kester rides with me with no weight, it's at least a second and a half off a lap on the south track. Wow. It's a big difference. You just can't break the car the same. So it really is... It really, and now the good part is you can put the weight wherever you want it. Mm-hmm. So strategically, we we can put it as low and in the center as as we can. But in the end of the at the end of the day, it makes a difference in breaking that extra weight. You you were kind enough. And I, I tell this story a lot. You were kind enough last year to offer me a ride and to see how a car really breaks. Now I normally drive a nine forty four last year. It's got a, a Miata this year also. And the one as a young novice driver i will say probably one of the coolest things except being tried to be you're trying to throw me through the windshield when you stop (laughs) was to see because of the donut in the steering wheel and because you're braking with your right hand i got to see exactly how you were using the throttle exactly how you were using the brake and it was probably one of the most important driving lessons i probably got last year being able to sit next to you and see how you because I didn't have to look over it, you know, and see down the chute to see what somebody's doing with their feet. I could really look outside and see with peripheral vision. I thought it was it for a learning scenario. It was amazing, and I, I cherish that. I thank you for allowing me to go with that. Glad you could come out and feel uh, what cup car brace can do. It's crazy. Oh, oh my gosh, it it was it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, so I do that it, even today. I was out thinking I why I was on. We were on the north track. There's two tracks here that are interconnected, but most of the time it's just a north or south track, whereas the north track, I rode with you on the south track. Someday this year I want to go on the north track and see where your braking zones are on the it's, north track uh, so that I can start emulating that We've gone thing. even deeper uh, <laughs> on the north because of the new pavement. There's there's some pretty good grip out there, so I, I'm able to go a little bit deeper in a couple spots. It's uh, it's The car is just amazing. It's really something. Yeah, it's... I. I think that that's where I personally would like to go is to get into a Cayman at, at, at some point. So, you know, the mid-engine, the flat six, it's uh, some really good stuff going on with that platform. It's great. Yeah, I, I, I like that car a lot. In addition to that, you are very, not just out here racing, but you're very active in the membership side of the club. Tell us a little bit about your position. Absolutely. And- uh, I am very active. It's uh, the club's important to me, and so I'm your committee members chairman. So, and how long have you done that? I've done it. This is my third year. Third year. Is there and a term? Is it just? There is a term, but we're going to uh, go beyond that term next year because who was going to take over is now the head of the billing committee. So, 
So Mark and I decided. Uh, Mark Mark Basso. Oh, uh, Stradowski, who was going to take okay. over. Um, we should get, I should go a little bit longer and uh, keep the transition smooth. So because we're going to build a new building, and Mark's ahead of that. So and so the committee is seven members right now, and we're a pretty diverse group. All, all members. All members. Okay. And there's we're all guys and one female and. Some people race, some people don't, some people do chase. We have a nice diverse group, so which represents the whole membership as a whole. So we, we meet How once a month. Okay, yeah, we that's... meet once a month. And you know what? We have, we have a list of a host of topics that we talk about and cover, and, and then I take that information and I go to Audubon Management and try to either – problem solve a solution or at least bring it to their attention so they can figure out a solution so it's very beneficial that we meet and so we're kind of behind the scenes making sure because our club is unique where it's not just a country club we're actually a business and a country club so it's a little bit different dynamic than say a regular golf course Um, and so yeah there's a lot of things we cover and i think we're pretty effective in going going forward um, with uh, the new CEO and the club has been very receptive to the members committee to help figure out solutions to what may seem like a big problem. Okay. Um, and we can, can we touch briefly just on a building committee? I would like to interview the chairman Marsh, of that. Yeah. Mark Stradowski is uh, heading that, which is great. He's a builder by trade and, there's, and the new committee is for a new clubhouse. For a new clubhouse, yeah. So moving forward, you know, the club is looking to the future, and they, they see that our needs may have changed a little, and they're trying to get ahead of that and bring us, you know, into the next 10 years. So uh, it's a group of members as well that come from different backgrounds and will have good ideas to, you know, obviously we have a great architect and designer that's, been retained by by the track but you know in the end it's got to be what the members want so is there a time rough timeline on when the building would be you know i i and how I, often I, well first let me say that how often are you guys meeting we meet once a month once a month also. so and i'm sure mark um, and that group will meet once a month as well and mark and i talk back and forth so we he still attends our meeting so it's great uh so now that there's a building committee the members committee does, doesn't really handle or, okay. or deal with any of of the building concerns. So you're not on that committee, also. I'm not on that okay. committee. Okay. And so yeah, so Mark is double duty in it for now. Okay. Okay. And so this this is uh, 2018, and full full blown racing again to defend the title. I think uh, well they've changed the rules for how our transmission um, we're going to be penalized a little this year, so. I'm not really sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I should say, I'm pretty sure we're going to move up a class, but I'm not. I'm not sure right the second. So move up to GT3. GT3. Yeah. So John Ranty and the rest of you guys, look out. Uh, <laughs> we're coming. <laughs> um, and when is the first race? This is. Oh, the 21st. This April is April 21st. Okay, so we're we're doing full this track on Spring April, Fest. April 10th, I think today is Tuesday, April 10th, and uh, so. Springfest, yes. So Springfest is the following week, which eighteenth, nineteenth weekend of eighteen, nineteen. Car will be ready. We should be. I've already had it out. We've uh, tested in the rain a couple times, which is great learning experience for you know bringing the car on the edge. Have you made some changes to? We have made a few changes, and I think they're all going to be positive. Uh, The car is going to be fast. It's got a brand new engine. Oh, really? Yeah, brand new engine and. I'm excited. Let's see. It's uh, now that I finally won the championship and got that off my list. <laughs> I think I can just have a little more fun and not be as focused on trying to worry about points or whatever. Just can go out and have fun, and wherever I land, I land. You know, I made that board. That was one of my goals. Yeah, your name on the championship yeah. board that's in the clubhouse. Yeah. Here. So I'll, you know, I'll always be a champion here, and that's uh, it's it. It's just hard to comprehend how far I've come from where I started driving to now. It's, it's just in amazing. 
10 years, right? Yeah, 10 years. 10 years from your first track day in Florida, all the way down to Florida. Yeah, Homestead. In Homestead, Hol- yeah. Homestead was my first road course. And I remember being passed by cars. Like, how could I be passed by that car? Like, I didn't know anything about line or threshold braking or trail brake. I didn't know. I was as green as you could be. So it's uh, it's hard to believe now that I'm looking at data and making decisions based off that. It's it's crazy. It's a wonderful place to be. <laughs> oh, outstanding, outstanding. And you have a few other cars too. I do. I have uh, I have the the drag car. We have a rally car. Uh, we have an M3. Yeah, your M3, right? An M3, and then I have a pickup truck. <laughs> I have a 9454 SS with a big block. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a 572 all-aluminum dart, and uh, you'll see that in a couple weeks. So, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. You see an M3 here a lot. Of course, I love I love that Porsche. The, um, so, of all the cars you've had, what was your favorite? Ooh. My favorite... I, I think it has to be the Cayman because of how capable the braking is. The 911 is something I always wanted as a kid. So, and the Cobra is something I wanted, but that Cayman is just the way that car can brake is hard to comprehend. You ever take the other ones out on tractors for lapping? I've been in the 911 um, for sure for lapping, and you know, I it just doesn't brake as good as the other. Uh, you know, as <laughs> You're race spoiled, cars, right? It's kind of like you know, twiddling your thumbs out there. Um, uh, but yeah, I've had I've had everything out there. Okay. Yeah. And if uh, one of the members likes to get just you're here often. I I mean I see you here quite a bit, and you're always available to me for any questions, membership type questions, and everything. Um, if someone needs to get a hold of you, is yeah, what's the you best can way? Um, you can email me okay. at putting p u t t i n g underscore f o r e underscore do d o u g h at yahoo.com putting for doe.com underscore between the putting for yeah the underscores okay. i used to be a big golfer for you hurt so <laughs> i just kept it it's long i know uh, and then anyone could call me at 815-735-3312 uh, and I'm at the club a lot. I'm pretty visible. The chair makes it easy. If you don't sure. know who I am, sure. I'm, uh, I think I'm the only one in a wheelchair here. It's crazy enough to get behind the wheel. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm visible. I'm here. And I want to see the club succeed. I want members to have fun. I want them to be safe. And, you know, I'm committed to that. So it's, uh, it's a wonderful place. It's We're very blessed. It's a unique atmosphere to be able to drive cars on track. And uh, I'm glad I'm part of it. Well, uh, I am also. And uh, just from, uh, I think I'll just start calling you coach from now on, as much, <laughs> as, much as you taught me in that, in, that one, in that one lesson. I probably need to spend more time with learning how to get faster. Being smooth is, I try to be smooth. I don't like to upset the car if I don't have to. So that's, uh, the new controls is great. I love driving. No, very cool. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us here on our, on our podcast. and. Uh, Look forward to watching you race this year and seeing how they, see if you do get in that new that new group and see how it all turns out. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate your time. All right, thank you. Thanks. Well, I was picking everything up after the interview and talking to Rob a little bit. Uh, I had some questions about his rehab, and then it dawned on me that we actually never covered the accident part of the interview. So once again, here's Rob Widener. Okay, so Rob, tell us a little bit about the how, how you ended up in the wheelchair, the accident yeah. here. So. so my wife and I were in a auto accident out of state, and you know it's uh, it was it was raining, it was a single car crash, it was nobody's fault. Uh, they brought me to the first hospital, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They were taking an X-ray, and they just so they sent me to Loma Linda, which is like Northwestern here in Chicago, and. So I go to Loma Linda, which handles spinal cord and head injuries. They're like a big deal in, on the, in Southern Cal. And I get uh, Dr. Darren Berge, who is a Beverly Hills thoracic surgeon. And he volunteers one weekend a month at the hospital they brought me to. Mm-hmm. So Darren gets the page, and he's the guy that pretty much saved my hand. So Darren came in. He told me what he was going to do. And... I cracked a little joke, and he was a little taken back that someone could <laughs> have some humor in at that point. And I figured, well, everything's in his hands. So him and I have been really good friends ever since. So 
Have he, has he jumped in your car? Have you gave him a ride yet? I, he was supposed to come here. We need to get him here to get a yeah, ride with you. He was in Chicago <laughs> last year, and I had him all set to come out, and, and he had to fly back. But uh, uh, Jen and I have been invited to his wedding when he got married. Uh, I'm still close. I talk to him maybe once a month. Wow, that's I, cool. Yeah. And then your rehab, as you get you get better, a little bit better there, and then they could bring you back to the Midwest here? And they brought me back here, and then that's where, you know, that's a long road. Because I'm... I'm chest down, so I broke my neck in the seas. Cervical injury is never easy, so uh, no trunk control is hard. Transferring from your chair, breathing. Uh, I lost the ability to. I can't sweat at all. So in a race car, it makes you know it's a big deal because it's hot with your fire suit. So have to always wear a cool suit and a helmet blower. Uh, and how do you modulate that? Do you have a temperature gauge? So you know no, you, you just, just kind of know when you're starting to know okay. the experience. Okay. Um, you know, two years of therapy was a really long road. Like, it, you look at me now, and it's like nothing wrong with me. But back then, it was it was a huge struggle. Three days a week for two years. It's uh, that was rough stuff. Well, obviously, I'm going to assume that. Probably the biggest benefit was your disposition and your attitude, right? Well, you know, they, they believe it or not, the first uh, Loma Linda, they told me I was too positive, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> they felt when I got to the end of the road and I didn't walk that I would be crushed. And I heard, I heard a saying that spinal cord doesn't uh, define you. It reveals who you are. So whoever you were before, like, and I was a pretty determined uh, ambitious guy so i mean there's definitely times where i'm sad or down you know don't get me wrong but you know it's it really defi- it really reveals who you really were or who you are and uh so yeah that hasn't changed <laughs> uh i went to a place called next steps in willow springs and and after i was done with all my hospital stuff i went to a private place and that's they're the key to making me independent because they can do things a hospital couldn't do. It wasn't through the insurance. It's just a, somebody got hurt and his dad looked around and said, there's no one out there that can help him. So they created a, a place for spinal cord injuries. And, and John, uh, you know, he, he was a led by example. He was hurt a little worse than me. And, you know, you could see someone, who's going through the same thing you are um, really made me stronger seeing uh, being at that place and working hard and they had a locomat which is a robotic machine that makes you walk on a treadmill oh and really at the time they were the only privately owned locomat in the country it was like a million dollar machine and uh, oh, wow. I did that a couple times a week I really I said in the beginning they told me I would never walk but I said okay what's my window of opportunity, which is roughly two years. And I said, I'm going to do everything I can to try and walk. And if I don't, well, then I can look back in life and say, I gave everything I did. And I did. I gave everything I had, but I never walked, but I sure as I'll try. <laughs> well, uh, that, that's just a, just an amazing, amazing story to see the adversity for, that you overcame with and then how positive you are and what a, uh, a great example for a race car driver not just just a great example of a human and person here being a race yeah, car driver. to drive a race car and be a spinal cord it's a little it's more than i just can't walk unfortunately spinal cord is a host of things not sweating not be able to control going to the bathroom there's a, and not having any feeling for my butt to like feel the race car i have to use my shoulders because that's the only real place i have feeling uh, you know, there's a lot of things against me, but you know, it's, I guess when you're passionate about something and you know, you put in the time and practice, you're going to be successful. I think that's the, that's what you can take away from it. Well, thank you again. Thanks, John. appreciate it. Up next is Mike Ritter talking about the chase race coming up. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here. Today we're going to talk a little bit about kind of a how-to section for the podcast, and our topic is Chase Race. Okay. Chase Race is somewhat unique for this location? Chase Race is, is very unique. The Chase Race started many years ago. There was a group that was doing like an enduro 
um, kind of bracket race and it, it got to be a mess and the timing was horrible and that kind of stuff. And so we kind of said, well, let's make this a simpler idea. Let's just break it down to six laps. And it's similar to a bracket race, but the idea is that the slowest car leaves pit lane first, the fastest car leaves last, and based on their qualifying time, theoretically, the fastest car is going to catch the slowest car at the end of six laps. Right. <laughs> so right. That, that's the that's the very basic um, premise of it. So how it goes is all the cars. Well, first we start off with a with a drivers meeting, and the drivers meeting is this is on Fridays of full track weekend. Correct. And the first one will be um, next Friday. Next Friday. Yeah. So that'll be the twentieth of April. The twentieth of April. Yep. And so Friday night, the track meeting takes place. At so the driver's meeting takes place around. So driver's meeting takes place at 3.30. And for the veteran guys who have done the chase race, it's basically just of um, we need to know who's in the race, you know, so we can be watching you, et cetera, that kind of stuff. And so a lot of times we'll let the veteran guys who know what they're doing, we'll let them go. And then people who are new to the chase race, we'll give them a little further explanation of how it goes and what they can expect, et cetera, that kind of stuff. One of the real fun things about a chase race is that anybody can do it. You don't need a competition license. You don't need a race car. Um, you know, just any member in their street car that has some track time can do it. Um, it doesn't necessarily reward the guy with tons of racing experience. Um, it actually rewards the driver that can be consistent. Um, so what we cover in the driver's meeting is all the cars will go out in during just norm, a normal lapping session and they'll qualify. So they'll just set a time that they think they can replicate so during the race. C group, A group, B group. Yep. So, so, so closed close wheel car. Yeah, closed wheel car. car. And only thing you need is equipment. You need your helmet and a transponder. And a transponder, so yes. So you do have to have a transponder. Yep. Sometimes they're available. Uh, in the clubhouse, you can borrow a transponder. Correct. So there's a limited number of transponders. It's usually two are available up in the clubhouse. So it's kind of first come, first serve right. um, to get a transponder. And you just zip tie that on somewhere on the car. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, we'll give you directions that you want. You know, there's a black side to it. You want the black side facing down because that's what sends the signal to the track to pick it up. So that that is the one extra thing that you mm -hmm. do need to do a chase race. Um, and that's a transponder so that we can time you. So after the driver's meeting, there's uh, usually an A, B session. There's also a C session. And you can go in either one of those um, as long as you let us know. And we'll time you while you're out there with other cars just doing their normal lapping session. And that will be your qualifying time. And you'll get a print off from the clubhouse. You'll get a print Correct. off and say, John Grayville is going to be in it. And here's here here were his average times. And that's the time you use to put. Yep, that it's position. not your average time though. Oh, it's, it's your not. single best time. Oh, single best of that session. Okay. So you okay. can go out in the morning and you can rip it up and go, you know, five seconds faster, uh, or whatever you want to do. But in this session itself, that's the only session we're taking your fastest time, and that's going to be your qualifying time for the race. So the driver just needs to tell you, I was out in the C group, B group, A group. Yep. At Yep. The last one this afternoon and use that and that that's what we're yep. going to use. Okay. Yep. Okay. So now once we establish your qualifying time, um, that's how we calculate where to line up cars. So um, let's say a car ran a three-minute lap on the full track and a, another car ran a um, two-minute, 50-second lap on the full track. Well, it's a 10-second different per lap. So then we'll, we'll um, multiply that by six because the race is six laps long. Mm -hmm. So now you get a full minute distance um, between those laps. First those, guy goes. Yeah, so, so the, the three-minute guy would get released. Six, 60 seconds later, the two-minute, 50 guy would get released. So theoretically, he can gain 10 first, seconds first per lap. lap. Per lap, and so yep. at the end of... The six minutes, they're both coming across. Everything being perfect and identical, exactly. they come across. Yeah. So, and occasionally it does happen that way. <laughs> my first one was like that. Yes, was, I remember that. It was, it was, it was quite eye-opening. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, you can have a, a big variety of speeds. So, like I said, you might have the three-minute guy, but you might also have a, you know, a, a really faster car that is going to be held back so long that that first car may actually complete a whole lap before the oh. fastest car gets released. Oh, holy cow. So that'll sure. play head games with you, too, because yeah. now if you're in the fastest car, you think, how am I going to make up a whole lap on this guy in six laps? Um, but it can be done. And passing is in the passing zones or passing anywhere? Just pa Passing is, a, is more liberal than a normal lapping session. So you can pass anywhere but the corners. So okay. even like short straightaways, you can pass. Um, we do restrict it. Um, to not go in side by side through the corners because it's not a wheel to wheel race. That's why you don't need a competition license. That's why you don't need a roll cage, et cetera, all those kind of things. Um, but it is more liberal than a normal lapping session. 
point to pass, ideally? Point to pass is not required, but ideally we'd like to see drivers communicating to each other um, because it is a little more open and you have guys that you know don't have wheel-to-wheel race experience. There's nothing wrong with communicating. And what I tell people all the time, too, is you may be that, that slower guy that's being passed, and if you let that faster guy go, that just me, might be the lap that he breaks out in. We'll talk about that in a second. But let that guy go. Maybe he's ruining his own race. All you have to do is run your own pace. That's what it's all so about is running your own pace. If you can remember, point to pass. If not, don't be surprised if someone's passing you. Yeah, but okay. they sh- but they should do so on the straightaway. No dive bombing in the right. corners, et cetera, okay. that kind sure. of stuff. Sure. Um, we've never had any kind of car to car contact in a chase race, and I don't intend to because it's really um, it really is a fun race. It's a gentleman's race um, where everybody just kind of respects each other. Um, it just has a good time. It really is a fun race. I agree. It was. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, and you'd mentioned the breakouts. Okay. So here's the here's so, the one thing <laughs> you can't do, right? You, yep. So. You get your qualifying time, and to prevent sandbagging, um, you know, someone going really slow in qualifying and then going really fast in the race. Because ultimately, I was a little confused in this, ultimately it is the first person who crosses the start finish line, the finish line, excuse me, who crosses the finish line wins, ultimately. If. If they don't and continue with the breakouts. Yeah, if they don't have the breakouts, right. So you take your qualifying time, and you're allowed to go two seconds faster than you qualified. So let's take that three-minute guy. He could do a 258.1 in the race, um, and that's actually going to be about as good as he can do. As soon as you go faster, um, as soon as you go two seconds faster than uh, your qualifying time, that's where we're going to start uh, issuing breakout penalties, and that's simply just a time penalty. So that three-minute guy, now he did one lap that was um, two minutes 57. Okay, so let's say he broke out of his... Um, time area there just once um, he's going to get a five second penalty at the end of the race so if he's the first one across the line he's going to have five seconds added to his total race time which may or may not right so if someone was two seconds behind him they may end up winning the race someone who is seven seconds behind him he's still going to be in front of that guy anyways so at speaking of that you can go out for your normal lapping session with some timing data whatever you use in your car for timing as soon as the race starts no timers no that's computers correct. no phones everything right so we want to yep that's correct because what the race is it really is just fun and it's based on being able to do consistent lap times it's, it's to reward the driver so we want a driver to go out and be able to just put down those lap times that he normally does it doesn't have to be breakneck speed just be consistent but to keep that human element you can't have the aids telling you what your lap right. time is either so um, no data, no clock or anything like that. No radio communications for someone giving you that information. Sure. So you're out there on your own. you got to do it on your own. Okay. All right. Yep. That sounds like a blast. I am planning on being here for every one of them. Yeah. They arranged my flying schedule so I land, <laughs> I land early on Friday so I can make it here. You wouldn't be the only one that leaves work a little bit early on Friday <laughs> so they can make it to the chase races. You know, the chase races are a lot of fun. Um, you know, with, with all the details we just talked about, really all you have to do is come up and drive those six laps consistently and just see where you fall. Um, one of the fun things about the chase race is when the race is over, no one really knows for sure who won. So all the drivers Good park point. around the podium and they all kind of wait good. nervously and nobody wants to get too close to the podium because they're afraid they're going to jinx themselves. And then, <laughs> you know, we have all the power and control up in race control and we figure out all the cap calculations and look at everyone's lap times. And then, you know, we come down and we hold the secret to who won and nobody really knows until we announce it, uh, which makes it a ton of fun because everyone's just kind of standing around yeah, and, you know, could be me, could not be me. And, um, you know, the, the fun thing about Chase races is so we've got our regular guys who are always going for the championship and the points and there is a a season championship absolutely there's it's eight races long and there is a champion but oftentimes those aren't the guys winning the races now they end up in the championship because they're pretty consistent but um it's not unheard of at all for a new person who's never done a chase race before to end up with a win and sometimes they're not exactly sure how they did it but they just (laughs) but it is it's just very it's just simply they drove consistently um just a little bit faster than they qualified and next thing you know they're walking home with a first place trophy all right very cool so if somebody wants to participate get a hold of you and let um it's if you have questions they can get a hold of me um and they can do it at my email address um which is m-i-k-e-g-r-i-t-t-e-r at autobahncc.com but really all it takes is come to the driver's meeting um on 
April 20th at 3.30. Um, it'll be in the South Classroom. So just come to the South Tower to the driver's meeting and just let me know, hey, I want to be in the chase race. And like I said, we'll get the we'll get the veterans off out of here and the people who are new to it that want some more details. Um, we'll get all, all the information they need and get them rolling. All right, super. So all right, well, thanks it's just that five. simple. It's a lot of fun. Hope to see you. Yeah, well, thanks for being on the podcast. All right, thanks, and John. And I hope all the listeners show up for the race. All right, Thank hope you. to see you. Okay, we're sitting down now with Kyle Nato here in the back of the members clubhouse, talking a little bit about the activities coming up. The weather has not been great. No, it is not. So how this past weekend was lemons? It was uh, 24 hours of lemons. There was 110 cars oh my that uh, entered the race. I believe 54 of them finished, but it was rain, sleet, almost snow for the entire weekend, and all those teams braved it out. Wow. What was the craziest car? Uh, I'm a big fan of, they have a pink pig that is all <laughs> dressed up as, as you can imagine, one large pink pig out there. So that's fun to watch. Uh, that's probably my favorite car. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they run literally 24 hours. No, they broke it up over two days. So we started at it was 10 to 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturday, and then 9 a.m. to 3:30 okay. on uh, on Sunday. And they a lot of them camp out here and stay out here. Oh yeah, yeah. The the big party is typically after a full day of racing on Saturday, and then everybody cracks open their beverage of choice afterwards and that's when the real work begins because they're just working on their cars trying to keep them running uh and that's a whole lot of fun there's a lot of great camaraderie as well you know people helping out other teams and stuff like that so but it's always interesting when you drive through the paddock and you see every single pretty much every single uh station has their own engine puller so you know that they come prepared Wow. To uh, keep these little cars running. Very cool. That's cool. They're prepared for the worst, I should say. <laughs> uh, you know, especially when they have engine pullers and stuff like that. Uh, or, you know, hoist. So. I know. I, I've seen around. They seem very safety conscious. Yes. And uh, even the fuelers have to be two fuelers. And we'll have to be all in fire gear and, and everything. And you take the safety stuff very serious. Funny, funny looking cars, but we'll say. Right. Yeah. Uh, they tout themselves as $500 cars, but when you start adding it all up, the cage, the seats, and uh, everything required for racing, uh, it, it gets a little bit more expensive. And that was on the South Track? Yes. Today is April 17th. Taxes are due today. Yay. And <laughs> Taxes, I paid those last year. I don't need to do that again, right? <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes that's correct. Um, and... Spring Fest coming up. Oh, uh, Ladies' Day. That. Ladies, that's right. Okay. Uh, so Thursday the 19th, we are having Ladies' Day. So bring the wives and the girlfriends out. And it's just a good camaraderie building uh, and gives the, uh, the ladies something to do. But it also gets uh, pretty competitive. Yes, my, my wife enjoys that. She'll be here with a friend. And she had a question about weather. The weather looks okay, but the only reason you would it doesn't really cancel if it's cold. These guys still do we'll still, day. Yeah, we'll yeah. still run it. So we're still trying to figure out how to turn up the heat here in Juliet. But uh, when, you know, it, it will soon enough. Okay, so. great. So Ladies Day Thursday. Ladies Day is Thursday. And then Friday, uh, starting on Friday, is Springtime Speed Fest. And uh, Friday, we actually have our autocross competition. That's where you can bring any car that you'd like. Uh, can even be streetcars and participate in our autocross series. And that's from 1, uh, 1 o'clock to 3.30. 1 o'clock to 3.30. Show up at any time during that. You get three runs. It's, it's the best of three runs. Best of three runs. You can keep running. Correct. If there's time, if there's, you know, room for you, you keep running. They just won't count for your score. Correct. And this goes into the autocross series. So you could be an autocross champion for mm -hmm. the 2018 season. The no helmets, no uh, roll bar, so no street helmets, car. No, it can be a street car, it can be convertible, uh, and it's a great low-impact uh, series on, on your car, and also you learn some great car control skills as well. 
So usually a, a fast autocrosser is a, a fast race car driver out on the big track as well. I look, I look forward to that. I got a car in the shop. The car of my choice is still getting wrapped, so unfortunately it will, that won't be here, but I'll try, try my Miata or something. But also on Friday we have our chase race. And the chase race. That right. you're going to be right. participating in. Yep, yep. Chase race. We, that will, we just talked with Mike Gritter about that in the show, so that was completely detailed in our Behind the Wheel section of the new behind the wheel section here for the podcast uh so there's gonna be then dinner friday night there's dinner friday night and then saturday we uh we start our racing so there's uh all different classes that are going to be racing on saturday there's going to be activities for kids as well saturday and sunday what are the kid activities uh terry weber's actually working on those right now i believe it's going to be some arts and crafts but that on saturday and uh, sunday on saturday I and then uh, she was also talking about maybe a field trip for the kids as well. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, after we finish up here, maybe we'll That's get it. her to, to jump in and tell us what the kid activities are. Very good. Uh, Sunday, uh, that's when we are going to be hosting our first karting camp. And uh, so if you have a go-kart at home, along with all your safety gear, definitely let me know in RSVP. That is starting at 9 a.m. And then it's going to be running until about noon. Uh, down at the car track. Oh, so it's not all day like the last one. Yeah. <clears throat> so it'll be a half day. Correct. And any cart? Any cart? The gear required helmet, suit, gloves, shoes. shoes. Not racing shoes, but just tennis, just, just yeah, tennis shoes. Yeah, closed shoes. Tennis shoes. Uh, chest protector? Chest protector if you're under the age of 12. 12 and under. And or is it under 12? Is it 12 and under? 12 and under. Well, we underneath a chest protector because we understand that the chest bones are not completely formed together until you're at over 12. Rib protection is not required. Not required. So recommended. Recommended. Uh, along with a neck collar or uh, some sort of pons type device. <clears throat> recommended. Those are recommended but not required. So, <clears throat> okay. uh, during the car camp, that's where uh, kids will be learning about race craft and uh, how to eventually lower their lap times, but mainly it's confidence-building drills and uh, to take away some of the intimidation of actually you know, racing in our car league. So this will build them up, and hopefully that way they can participate in the uh, car league race next weekend. Lunch included? Last time, car camp lunch? Lunch, lunch is no not going to be included, okay, so the nine cafe to, will be open. 9 to 12, and oh, we forgot dinner. There is dinner Saturday night. With wine tasting. Yes. And uh, one of the wonderful buffets that uh, our executive chef puts together. Incredible. And uh, yeah, I, I have to stay away from the cookie tray this year. It's <laughs> yeah. desserts. Oh my gosh. They're amazing. <clears throat> so, okay, so that takes us to uh, the following weekend. Is there anything coming up the following weekend? Uh, well, actually, Wednesday the 25th, we have our performance drive. That's where. Um, People can sign up for uh, some high-speed drills in their own cars. That's also open to the public, okay. so they can participate in that. That's Wednesday the 25th. Uh, the 26th, we are having uh, motorcycles out, so members can come out along with their guests, and there's going to be motorcycle lapping on the members' track that day. And same uh, guest procedures, which we'll cover in our podcast here. The, the guests to drive their motorcycle, they have to pay the guest fee and go through an orientation. Correct. And, yep. and these are road bikes on yes. the road course. Yeah. Got it. So uh, I'm a big fan of motorcycles. It's so. great and crazy to watch them out there. Is the safety, I mean, when we see the motorcycles out here, Majority of, I mean, everybody that I've ever seen is full-blown safety, road yes. safety gear, right? That's all required? It's all required. Okay. Uh, and highly recommended as a person that's gone down on a racetrack before on a motorcycle. Um, you're going to want to wear all your safety gear. I see gear. those guys. Did you get up and walk away? I see those guys on TV. They just get up and walk around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. You know, we can talk about it. You know, oh, my gosh. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I've, I've done motorcycle track days. I absolutely love it. It's a completely different sensation. Uh, than being in a cage or a, a car. And uh, you, 
I, I just love motorcycles. I really want more members to come out with bikes uh, oh, and participate. So, uh, and I want to watch. And I, uh, I want to watch. watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, again, that's uh, the 26th. We're going to be hosting, you know, motorcycles for members on um, – well, that actually leads us right into the 28th and 29th, that weekend, Saturday and Sunday. We are hosting CCS, which is a motorcycle racing uh, series. They're coming here. They're renting the track. Racing series? They have a yeah. racing series? Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was yeah. just like track days or whatever. No. So this is uh, it's the one racing series that we have for, for motorcycles that come out here. And um, it's a full-blown race. So the entire weekend is going to be... Nothing but no, so it's cool. That's cool to see. It's yeah. cool to watch. So if you want to hear a whole bunch of angry bees running <laughs> around on track, be out here on the 28th and 29th. Uh, and also on the 28th, that uh, Saturday, is our first kart league race. So and that starts at 9 a.m. to about approximately 1 p.m. Okay. That's, uh, that sounds great. I look forward to that. As you mentioned earlier, we have some maybe some new adults who are going to be joining. Yes, uh, we sold the, quite a few race. carts over the winter, and there's going to be uh, some uh, some members that are very good in Spec Miata and also Radicals are now participating in uh, the cart league. So they're going to be seeing if those skills transfer over into <laughs> a into a cart. But uh, yeah, so uh, cart cart league is starting to fill up pretty nicely. Oh, I look forward to that, and I think one. Time soon, we should go through with a whole ignite maybe a podcast talk about the whole ignite cart a little bit about the setup and what the options are for people who are interested in joining that carting series. You don't have to race it just to get an ignite cart either. Nope. So the just real quick the ignite cart differences. There's Three different frame sizes? Yes. They, we start you out at the age of six and all the way up to 95 years old, if you'd like. But uh, the three different chassis uh, sizes is about six to eight, and then eight, about 12, and then 12, and 12 all the way up. Okay. Uh, so m more on that, but if you are interested in karting, don't necessarily have to race them. But it's a pretty durable cart with the most popular motor now in karting, which is the 206 Briggs and Strat uh, motor. So we have approximately just over 45 carts on hand that members have purchased. So pretty much at any time when you go down to the car track, you'll see you know a couple of them buzzing around. And with these karting camps, uh, it's going to teach you how to go faster and be safe and learn your racecraft, um, so that way when you do enter your first race, you, you know what you're doing. Awesome. All right, Kyle. Thanks okay. for being with us today. Look forward to the next episode. Thank you very much. Well, next up, we invited uh, Terry Weber to the podcast to update us a little bit on some of the non-racing activities for Springfest. Today, uh, well, Terry, welcome to the podcast. Today we're in Terry's office, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the activities that are taking place in Springfest coming up this weekend. Mm -hmm. We yes. already talked about dinner Friday night, wonderful dinner Friday night, correct? Yes. Yep. And then, Always. And then Saturday. We have another dinner. Another dinner Saturday. Right. Well, there'll be live entertainment on Friday okay. as well. Okay. In the clubhouse? In the clubhouse, yes. Okay. So live entertainment Friday. How long does that go for? Um, till 10, 10.30-ish. Oh, okay. yeah. so quite yeah. later than I've been here, so, yeah. but I'll try to make it till 10. <laughs> yes, yes. And then on Saturday, there, there's no kid events Saturday? No kids events on Saturday. Okay. Nope, we save those and do that all on Sunday for the family, Great. family day. So when we have the brunch, and then we have a kids event, and then car, um, Kyle's going to have the cart, 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 you know, the carting camp carting going camp. too. So, um, so some of the events I was thinking about doing is Earth Day. So I was going to be focusing on that. So we're going to be making some dirt pudding. Dirt with pudding. Dirt oh. pudding. We're going to create it ourselves. Very nice. And that then I wanted out. to um, put together, um, get everybody a plant 
to put together for to watch grow. So we'll be planting. I haven't picked up the, my choice of plants yet, though. Very so cool. it'll be a surprise. My daughter looks. When, that will be after noon. It starts around eleven. Around eleven. Yeah. So I let all the kids come in and eat. Okay, so the so parents, the so if I'm not, going to be going yeah. at 11. We'll, we'll, she'll be able to do that. She's going to be in the carding camp. Okay. My youngest one, she loves doing all the activities here. Right. So she can come over right at noon to, to do, to yeah. still be going on, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So those are the activities for the kids. Uh, will be after brunch-ish on yes. Sunday. Yes. So dinner Friday night, dinner Saturday night, with the wine tasting Saturday, right? There is a wine tasting on Saturday, yes. And who's host, is that? Something you guys do? You have a company come in to do that? Yeah, Peggy sets that up. Oh, okay, the executive chef. Yeah, yes. Uh, and then no entertainment Friday night, just the wine tasting? No, there's no entertainment on Saturday oh, Saturday, night. sorry, right. Saturday. Just the wine tasting. Just the wine tasting. Yes. And then the kids, the brunch and the kids activity. Right. And the weather should be better, so hoping. A lot better than last weekend. Okay. So, and I still have some more ideas to kind of put out there, so it'll be a surprise, too, yeah, what else a, I'm going to do. It's always good. I was just trying to clear it, make sure it was just on Sunday, but that's normally when the kids have. Yes. Okay. Yep. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, this week's engine note is very interesting. It is a 1973 Chevy Stepside pickup truck. It was a it was a inline six, 250 horsepower motor. The uh, interesting thing I found out was that the Stepside was what Chevy called it, but if he had a GM truck, it was called a Fender Side. I want to thank everybody for listening. The show was actually our longest show so far. Two weeks, we'll have another show and another interview. I'd like to welcome you to reach out to us at podcast at audubancc.com. Podcast at audubancc.com. And also, the Audubon Club does have a YouTube channel. So head on over to YouTube and search for the Audubon Country Club. And Kyle Nato is putting up videos there that are very interesting, very cool. A lot of neat shots, and I think you'll enjoy it. Again, thanks for listening, and have a great week. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.